Hi, welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike on a uh, drizzly uh, late September afternoon, heading back from work, and I'm kind of excited today. Uh, I really haven't had a topic that uh, presented itself uh, as strongly, but all day today I've had something on my mind that I wanted to to, to talk out, to wrestle with a little bit with you uh, during this time, and uh, yeah, it seems like for the first, I guess I've been doing this almost a year now, this is uh, going to be somewhere around uh, 11, coming up on 11 months probably, uh, and so for at least half that time I've had very specific things I wanted to talk about. Um, but then it kind of, it just, uh, you know, it becomes difficult to come up with enough new topics when you do this almost every week. Uh, but today, uh, which kind of stems from a conversation I had yesterday with my good friend Pat. Pat's been on here, you remember him. Uh, remember him from the uh, Lost Dog episode. Um, uh so I was, you know, I'm, I'm always wrestling with this Christian life that we have, uh, and, um, just how, how it all fits together and, and, you know, what is the glue that, that, uh, binds it. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've experienced, I think like most people kind of, uh, fractious, uh, feelings of, of how everything doesn't really fit together, you know? So, um, work life, with family family life, with spiritual life, uh, with your, your leisurely life, uh, with your uh, benevolent life, and, you know, however you separate all the parts of life that you wear, uh, or, or how many hats that you wear. I've heard it said like that, like we wear many hats, and I'm one of those guys that, that does wear many hats. I don't know what it is, but I enjoy that. I like having, uh, apparently I do, because that's how I always end up, but I like having a lot of, uh, a lot of pots on the stove at one time, I guess. Um, even though my wife tells me I can't focus on more than one thing at a time, <laughs> somehow I manage to uh, wear a lot of hats. Uh, First and foremost, I, I wear the hat of disciple of Jesus. Uh, I wear the hat of husband and father and son uh, and son-in-law, I suppose. Uh, I wear the hat of brother. Uh, I wear the hat of uh, uh, both someone being mentored and mentoring, I suppose. Uh, I wear the hat of English teacher and business owner. I wear the hat of uh, semi-professional singer and musician. Uh, I, wear, I wear the hat recently. A couple of new hats that have come on have been raft guide, <laughs> river rafting guide, since I started uh, this year. Uh, next week I'm going to wear a temporary hat of uh, uh, a... Uh, Sponsor on a long hiking trip, a four-day hiking trip for high school students. Um, and so we wear a lot of hats. Now what conventional wisdom has told us to do is to prioritize 
correctly. If you if you want to make the Lord happy, prioritize your life. Give Him first place in everything. Give Him the first place. Give Him the most important place. Uh, and no doubt He deserves He deserves a very high place. Uh, but I, I've always struggled with that because what the way that seemed to work out was that as long as I gave Jesus X amount of time, or the church X amount of time is really how it played out, then the other, the other parts of my time I could use as I wanted. And that is what led to a very fractured uh, spiritual existence, I think, the, the idea that I could do that. And so, uh, because I don't believe that, I don't believe that God wants us, number one, to live a fractured life any more than we have to, any more than uh, is dictated by the fall uh, and, and these sinful bodies that we're, we are restrained in. Uh, I, I think Jesus is leading us toward a a whole life, a life of integrity. Uh, and so I've been struggling with with just how that works out. You know, I'm, I guess looking for metaphors or looking for some kind of a paradigm that would help me understand uh, this. And the first person I told about it was Pat. Yesterday, I, I was, we just had a few minutes to talk, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this more, but I, suddenly a paradigm had come into mind. And I said, you know, again, the, the goal is to find a way to unite all the parts of your life under the headship of Christ. Not just uh, your church life or, you know, not just your prayer life, but all parts of your life. How do you, how do you make all parts of your life fall under the heads, headship of Christ, of Jesus? And so I've been looking for a meaning, meaningful metaphor for myself, and I think I found it. But what Pat pointed out was that metaphor would turn off a lot of people. And so I want to talk through that metaphor and see if maybe in the in the process I'll come up with an even better metaphor or just a way to use the same metaphor but in a more uh, sensitive way. Um, all right, so here's the metaphor or the, the paradigm or whatever you want to call it. So I felt like if we could see ourselves as being in the family business, being in a family business, and being heirs to the family business with our Lord as the patriarch of that family business, and then we as sons are brought into the family business and expected uh, to work in and benefit from the family business. And everything we do, every part of our life, uh, can be seen in uh, the context of the fact that we are in a family business. So, for example, if you've ever been in a family business or, or know of, uh, you're close to anybody in a family business, you know that pretty much everything they do, uh, because they are in the family and in the family business, reflects on, uh, reflects on the family and the business. And so they're very, they're always very careful. They want to be careful because everybody knows 
that a small family business uh, really needs a regular clientele. Uh, you know, whether you're the local butcher shop uh, in a neighborhood, uh, or you know, even if you're delivering papers. I know, I know people who have a family business here in Japan of delivering papers, and your clientele is really everything. And so, if 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 you as a son uh, do something that is against the the values of your family and therefore of their family business, then you can lose business. And so the way you go about, the way you go about your life is always in, in uh, always mindful of the context and always mindful of the way that you reflect on the family business. Uh, now again, this is not just a normal business. So, you know, the Lord is not our employer only. He's our employer with the 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 joy that comes with knowing that your your child, your son or your daughter, is going to follow in your footsteps and take up the family mantle and and even advance it more. And I think I think we can see this uh, paradigm of labor and work and working even as sons in the vineyard, for example. Uh, all throughout the Bible. It's not the only paradigm, obviously. But I think if we were to look at, at first century uh, first century Judea, I think we would have found that that would have been almost a, uh, a given. Fathers followed sons. Fathers went in, or sons, sorry, sons followed fathers into the family business. Uh, everybody had a family business and that's where you worked. I think you know, we know that Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus became a carpenter. We know this, right? They were a uh, carpenter or whatever you want to call it. Today, they're usually changing it to more or less a day laborer or a person who works with stone and wood and other kinds of things. But basically a builder of some kind. And so Joseph was in that business. His oldest son followed him in that business. And that would have been the way that almost everybody would have done it back then. And the, even the, the, the women in the family would have contributed to that family business and there would have been a kind of family identity that came through that business but it wasn't just like an employer you know I've uh, I uh, have worked for big bigger companies right now I, I own my own company but I've worked for big companies and I've uh, noticed that loyalty is very low when you're just an employee and I suppose the lower salary you get and the lower you feel valued the lower you feel valued uh, the lower your um, uh, loyalty is to the business but as a son you have a vested interest it's part of your inheritance and it's part of your heritage it's your past and it's your future uh, and it's been your present because you've lived amongst the family business your whole life. And so using that paradigm of, yes, you are an employer, but you are also an owner. You are already and not yet at the same time. To me, speaks a lot uh, into, uh, into my life right now. Um, I, I happen to own a small business and I would love for my daughters to want to be a part of it. Now it's not a very glamorous business, 
granted, uh, but I think that would be a neat thing if they, at some point, desire to work with us and to carry on the family business. It would be a load off my mind, actually. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so this paradigm of being the heir, the heir apparent of a family business uh, and all that entails, to me is a workable, it's a workable metaphor for what this life of integrity in Jesus can look like and the way it, it and, and all the dynamics that, that work in. It's a, it's, it's a workable hypothesis, I guess, um, that we are in the family business. Uh, some of the, some of the things that, that speak to me from that are, uh, uh, God in the garden talking to Adam and, you know, giving Adam a job to do. Adam was a son of God. Uh, no matter how you look at it, he created him, he came from God. Uh, and so he was asked to help work the garden that the Lord had created for him to live in. So it's this mutually beneficial uh, life that we live. So we come from our fathers and they also uh, give us an occupation, a way to live in the world they've created. And it's, 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 it's a two-sided thing. It's, it's love, certainly, uh, because fathers love their children. And also, having an occupation is a is a wonderful thing. It's a uh, it's a, it's an identifying thing. It's something that gives us a way to earn our livelihood, a way to be identified. Uh, again, uh, um, something to to put our minds and bodies to work at. It it becomes a you know an endeavor. It gives us goals. Right? It, it comes with goals and it, it uh, can be a very wonderful thing. Now oftentimes it doesn't work out great here on earth. In fact, I'd, I'd say we're in a time right now that most children don't want to follow their, their family. Uh, a lot of children don't have a respect for their fathers or mothers. Um, but we still see it quite a bit here in Japan. We see families of doctors uh, having children who are doctors. Uh, we have, we see families of, um, families of, uh, teachers having children who want to be teachers, uh, because they live in that, you know, in that area. They understand it from a child's point of view and kind of know what it entails. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you oftentimes, I guess, go with what you know. And so having a, a metaphor to work with or a paradigm uh, to work with to me will help me bring all of these fractured parts of my life together under one umbrella so to speak. Um, and I've often wrestled with that because if, if you don't do that you 
you tend to not take the rest of your life as sacred, right? So if if when I am working for God, I do that at church or only with Christian people, um, then I can get that done very easily, and then and then you know uh, move on to the other parts of my life. And what tends to happen is without without a, a feeling of sacredness in those other parts of your life, they tend to go awry. You know, this is why you get people who who are very faithful churchgoers and yet cheat on their taxes. They don't they don't see the the correlation between the two. Uh, you you get you get people who uh, you get things like you know not not that this only happens in Catholic priests, but this is the thing, but you get religious leaders who molest children. You know, their lives are fractured. Somehow they don't have the authority of the Lord or the power of the Holy Spirit working in all, all parts of their life. And I admit that I don't have, I don't have uh, the authority of uh, all of my life under the authority of the Lord either. Uh, there are things that I claim for myself, uh, and that's what I know I shouldn't do. I, I know I need to bring all of my life under the authority of the Lord. And so for right now, I think that might be a good paradigm for me to work with for a while. I'm in the family business. You know, the family is the family of the Lord, and the business uh, is, is loving Him. And discovering how much he loves me, and that's that's the business. And we we uh, love him by loving everybody that he loves, and he loves everybody. So we love everybody, and we try to help those uh, that he brings before us and puts in our lives. Uh, and and we seek to bring him glory through everything we do, which goes back to the the reputation of the family. Does my life glorify the Lord? Does my life uh, exalt Jesus or does my life bring lots of questions as to what kind of person this Jesus is uh, by my association with him and my inability to live like him uh, and so th this idea of integrity and I haven't worked all this out this is just a paradigm this is just a theory at this point um, but it's something I think I'm going to explore for a while now, to the problems of the paradigm. Uh, I think I think what what Pat saw, and what Pat he kind of cringed at the idea, and that's fine. I, I know why he did, uh, and it's very understandable. He he cringed because there are people out there who have been guilted and beat over the head. Uh, into working for the Lord and they have burned out and so a paradigm of work of working in the family business uh, would probably not be a good one for them um, maybe not at that point in their lives but one of the one of the the, the culprit there I suspect is not the idea of working for the Lord, but the idea of working for the church. Uh, we don't. We often are 
uh, not feeling that familial, mutual love and respect and support that we should feel in the house of God. In other words, the church does not always function as the family of God should. Uh, in other words, uh, under the authority of a loving father and the fellowship of brothers and sisters who unconditionally love each other and share each other's burdens and loads and are slow to anger but quick to forgive. Um, we don't find that in the church often. We find the opposite stuff. And, and I, I feel like I've I've uh, had some of those feelings, you know, I've, I've felt that way too. So I understand that. Uh, it may not be the best way to talk to some people, but it's also not, this paradigm is also not for the immature Christian. It's not for the, the new Christian or the baby Christian. This paradigm is for someone who has been, who gets to the point where they want to unify their life and they need a paradigm. But you, it's difficult to do until you you feel the Lord calling you to do that. You know how do how do we how do we invite Him in every part of our life? Because the the way the world works right now is is the totally opposite way. Yeah, if you work a lot of hats, fine. Keep them separate. Don't let them go into the other parts of your life. For example, don't bring your work home and don't bring your family problems to work and and to school and you know we, we really encourage each other to compartmentalize our lives and even to the point where we don't want to bring we don't want people to bring their broken messed up lives into our churches even which is what the church is for you know uh, we even get to that point that we don't want to deal with with certain people. We'd rather ask them to leave our church and go to another one instead of do the hard work of, of reconciliation and healing and the, the time and the energy and the blood, sweat, and tears that that can take. Um, and so we, you know, we really try to get people to keep their personal lives out of stuff, to not be personal, uh, to and to not let one part of your life spill over into another. But but that that makes absolutely no sense. We are we're human. We are human and we don't turn on and turn off our problems. They are with us. And the process of hiding and and concealing our problems or our our our, our sorrows our broken places, our sins, uh, that process of hiding them because the system wants us to hide them is what causes a lot of the depression and despair that exists among Christians. And there's a high level of depression amongst evangelical Christians. We are depressed because we, we're, not, we're not allowed to and we're not given the freedom to fully express ourselves in the church. And there's, frankly, there's just not a venue for it more often than not. 
unless you want to join a support group, which some churches are large enough to have, some kind of an addiction group or whatever, generally you'll go to church and you will spectate through the service, you'll you'll give some money, and you'll, you know, do some small talk with people and you'll go home. That's generally the, the church experience. And so whatever we're doing right now is not working. Uh, so whether this paradigm of, of being in the family business helps you uh, bring all the parts of your life again under the umbrella of the authority of our Lord Jesus, then you're going to need to find another paradigm. And, and you, you're not going to feel that need until you've come to a certain point in your life where you're frustrated with trying to bring it all together. Um, believe it or not, Jesus does not want your entire life to be made up of reading your Bible and praying. He doesn't want your entire life to be made up of, of uh, listening to sermons uh, and going to confession. Our lives are designed into us, into our DNA. We are social beings. We are relational beings. Uh, we, we are humorous. We're adventurous. Uh, all of those things uh, can be can be under the, the the authority of God. We can have all that under His authority. He's okay with us being adventurous. Jesus was adventurous. Okay, He's okay with our laughing. Okay, He's He's. He's okay with our pains and our suffering. He's okay with all of that. Jesus has made it possible for all that to come into his presence. It's all allowed and it's all been sanctified when you believe in Jesus. So how do we take all the things that we do? How do I take all these different hats and put them under the authority of Jesus. Well, I think the, the first step is just want to. Want to have your life a single integrated whole. Be a whole person. And start with start with two things, you know? Start with uh, you know, how do you how do you bring just two of those things together? Start with that process. Bring in the next thing. Maybe you'll bring in two or three at a time when we get used to it. And maybe, just maybe, we will achieve a life more like the life of Jesus. A life uh, of singleness of purpose. And that is to do the will of Jesus. To do the will of our Lord. Um, how do we get to a life that is... That is that on point, I guess is what I'm asking. Um, I'm not, I haven't really thought through other possible paradigms. Uh, the one obvious paradigm is instead of family business, just family. And that's, that's all throughout 
uh, the Bible, but I still think in the first century context, a family would have been a family business. You would have worked worked together. Um, and actually, what we know about ancient peoples is they, they really didn't do a lot of playing, per se, unless you were very wealthy. The poor pretty much worked. Uh, and I, my, my suspicion is that in their work, they were able to bring their play. They were able to, to play during work. You know, there's a an instrument that uh, I learned about after I came to Japan called a cajon, and it's a it's a simple wooden box that you sit on top of. Uh, it's got a hole in one of the six sides, and you play it like a drum. Uh, this this cajon is is a very simple instrument. I mean, today they they'll put a few things on it to make it uh, a little bit more diverse and the the. the types of sounds you can make with it. They'll put some chains on the inside so it has kind of a snare sound. But really, it's a, it's a very simple instrument. I mean, you can make it, if you have any wood, wood uh, working skills at all, you could probably make it without any problems. But the origins of the, of the cajon come from, uh, apparently, Peru. Uh, and if not Peru, somewhere in South America. But, but I believe it was Peru. And in Peru, there were uh, African slaves who had been brought to uh, work in probably, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the coffee business or, or uh, you know, some kind of fruits or vegetables, some kind of farming, I'm not sure. Uh, and they were not allowed to have any of their traditional instruments with them. But this didn't stop them. So when they would have a break or whatever, they would sit on one of the, the crates one of the boxes, or in Spanish, cajon, which is just the Spanish word for box, uh, and they would use that. They would adapt because that was part of what uh, their humanness that, that needed to come out was was music, you know, music and, and singing together and playing together. Uh, and so they would find a way, you know. And whether it's with the, uh, the work songs in the fields that people would sing to keep them motivated or soldiers do something similar apparently when they're marching uh, to keep their mind occupied uh, you know whether it's uh, you know when you're working alongside of a co-worker and you're just uh, doing trivia just conversation you know you you tend to fill all the needs that you have somehow you know we tend to go that direction uh, now bosses don't always like it they don't like us playing around at work but but if that's the only time we have to do it, we'll do it because we need that kind of time. That's a, a human need to be at ease and, and to have fun with each other. Uh, I think that's something that we do naturally. Um, now, I've been known to take that too far. And I'm sure nobody else has, but certainly I do probably take fun a little too far sometimes. That's, that's my personality and, and I may have to, you know, be serious. Uh, more often, or, or uh, you know, intentionally try to be serious because, uh, yeah, I, I, I can have a little fun. Um, but still, we have those needs, and I think God is okay with that. You know, the Lord's okay with us loving on each other and, and you know, spending time with each other and having fun and, and uh, getting our human interaction in no matter what way we need it. Um, 
But the question is, how do you do that under his authority? You know, and that's a that's that's a that's a great place to be if you can if you can uh, if he can achieve that through you. And that's the point. That's the point. The, the Holy Spirit, as we give him more and more free reign in us, the Holy Spirit will start pulling together the many parts of our life under his authority uh, in, internally. Sorry about that, just got a phone call and had to run an errand and so it kind of got cut off. So um, so I was trying to figure out if there are other paradigms that might work. We talked about uh, the possibility of just family and that's, that's an awesome paradigm, obviously. Um, uh, I think the paradigm that won't work is the paradigm of employer or boss or uh, slave owner, uh, slave to master. I think those paradigms, even though there's there, there are a few nods to that uh, in the Bible, I think what we consider a slave today was not necessarily what a slave was then. So I think that's kind of lost its ability to have much meaning. And, and just the, again, the sensitivities of today, I, nobody wants to sign up to be a slave, obviously. Um, there's the paradigm of, um, wow, I don't know what else would tie all of your life together better than that, the idea of a family, a family business. Um, obviously family does, but then that, like I said, in the first century idea of family, I think it, it included the idea of business, of doing the work of the father. I think that was already in there. And so today we would say family business because uh, most families today don't necessarily work together. Um, so yeah. And at the end of the day, of course, it's, it's still just, it's, it's, it's just a metaphor. Um, so I suppose the, the need to find a metaphor that works, uh, is really just a nod to the idea that we really need to live more lives of our lives of more lives of integrity whole lives uh, not fractured lives um, so yeah I'm gonna kind of leave it there I I hope I didn't cut it off too abruptly uh, I hope I wasn't mid thought when I got that phone call because as soon as I get a phone call it automatically stops recording um, so yeah, anyway, think, you know, think about that. Think about, I'd love to hear ideas on what you think might be uh, other paradigms that might work well or other metaphors that might work well that would help us uh, pull our lives together. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. For those of uh, both you guys who listen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll try to get this posted. Uh, peace out.